Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Elizabeth, hi, it's great to meet you. Nice, nice to meet you also. So I am looking forward to, to this conversation. I know you've, since you've joined HG Insights a couple of years back, you know, you've really made great steps in transforming the organization and you just completed an acquisition uh, um, five days ago. So you're kind of right on that, um, on the cusp of a, a new chapter, I guess, in the business. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to kind of getting in and finding out a bit about this uh, about your learning curve um, as, as as chief executive in this business. So before we do that, why don't you give us a quick summary, the elevator pitch? You know, what what's HG Insights and um, and yeah, what's it all about? Yeah, yeah. So so HG Insights, so we're a big big data company, and at the core, what we do is tell companies, um, and for any company in the world, we can tell you the technology intelligence for that company, what what technologies they're using when they started using them, when they stopped using them. But the really interesting thing about HG Insights is that we get that information by mining literally billions of freeform documents every single month. And we extract that information through uh, machine learning, through natural language processing and rule-based algorithms to come up with the, um, with the insights that we deliver out to our clients. Um, okay. and, and these are then used for, by companies who want to kind of potentially market to based on technology usage in a company for example is that right so exactly and it's it's actually used the, that kind of information fairly broadly for decision making in a technology company you can imagine if a company is trying to decide what next market to go into or whether sales territories are equitable or whether they just want to market you know do, do a campaign that's obviously something that's applicable but it's very very broadly applied at companies like Cisco and Microsoft and SAP, all, all the big enterprise companies um, really understand how to make use of our, our insights at this point. And so what, what uh, attracted you to the company? Why did you move into, you know, why did you go for this one for the next, for the next journey? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, if you look at, at my background, um, I've, I've never been the guy to come in and start from scratch. Um, the, the kind of really um, creative seeing something from nothing, I have such respect for. And HG had a founder, Craig Harris, who um, really did that from the very beginning. In fact, the, the company HG stands for Holy Grail because at the beginning, there was nothing but uh, a, an idea that he could help people market better. And he would go out and ask, what's your holy grail of marketing data? Um, and hence it stuck with the company. So, so um, when I was, I, right before this, I was up in Silicon Valley running support.com, a public company. 
And that, that was interesting and had its whole another set of, of um, different dynamics. But I got a call from one of the board members I knew at HG who said, look, the company Craig's got it so that there are deep assets in this company. But really what we need is somebody who's passionate about getting them in the hands of customers and creating products around them and building a, a sales and marketing machine. And that's, that's kind of right, right up my alley and what I like to do. So I met Craig, um, helped him a little bit with, on a consulting basis to put together some stuff at the company. And then a quarter or so later, when he really wanted to, to step aside and hand the reins over, I was um, I selected to be CEO. Oh, and very, very glad that it all transpired like that. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, so often it happens, right? It is like a technical-led company that creates incredible yeah. uh, assets, but they're not always scaled out, right? To to the people, multiplied out, in fact. Um, yeah. And so, and so, um, so that was your role. So, yes. so what was the biggest surprises that you discovered on this journey? You know, you came in, you know, and things aren't always as you expect, perhaps. Um, you know, what, 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 was, what was that like for you, that transition? So um, with, with HG Insights in particular, um, I think the biggest surprise is that the, the revenue had been growing um, and nice, nicely, not, not, really, um, not really hugely, but nicely and steadily, but it was always from something else. And it was always a new idea, a new product, a, a new customer vertical. Um, and that makes sense in retrospect. You know, if you've got a very creative set of engineers and they're trying out all different ideas, that's what you, you end up with. But I think that was a, a bigger surprise than I thought because it really meant that the first, first year of the company, I, I had to really focus it down into specific things that we could do. Um, go, going forward, um, it's an asset because we just have an expansive opportunity of other types of insights that can be drawn out of our massive database and taken to market. But that that was a surprise having having to really refocus the whole company. Okay, so you you thought that it had some machine in place, but it didn't really have a machine. It was more of a product factory it was more of a project factory even I don't project know. factory there's a good way of looking at it yes yeah, yeah. okay yeah. yeah so there was a lot of kind of systemat- systematization or, or process to put in by the sound yeah of yeah and and that's continued um and I think it continues for anybody that's building a company that's scaling really rapidly is systemization of everything end to end is is really really important um Mm. and as you mentioned we we just did an acquisition so we're about 145 people now our our um, company we acquired intricately was close to 50 so we're we're very quickly going to be over 200 people and to really run a company well like that and have everybody understanding what their role is in growing the company and having impact on the company it takes a lot in terms of putting the systems in place in fact I was just talking to to our new colleagues yesterday and telling them that um and I said to them, don't take, don't, don't hold this against me, but I'm a big fan of process. And the reason I'm a big fan of process is it, it takes the politics out of running the company. If you've got a process for hiring, a process for 
promoting people, they're transparent, everybody knows what to do, everybody's judged by, by the same rule book. Um, it really, really makes um, accelerating in a time like we're at much, much easier and much, um, much happier for everybody that's working in the environment. How do you create process without losing agility? Yes, yeah. Um, and, and that is absolutely the key. Um, I think process without losing agility is creating the processes that people are going to use rather than the, the ones that you look up every seven months because you're going to, um, you want to acquire a piece of software that's going to end up $75,000 a year rather than $50,000 a year. And there's, there's a different process for that. I mean, those, those kind of things are, to me, are indicative of, um, of big companies when you get that detail on it. But when you think about the various things that you need to do to um, recruit and retain and to build products, um, just to take a, a how, how does a new idea get into your product pipeline? Um, a process around that opens up the, the company so that everybody can contribute as opposed to something that, that is um, way too detailed and way too overblown. I think that's the, the judgment I make on when process is going to slow you down. Yeah, interesting. And, um, and so... Where was the company where you started and where is it now? You know, what's, yeah. what's been the change in, in those yeah. two? Yeah, just uh, in terms of, um, in terms of revenue. So I'll just give, give you the highlights there. It was just, we were just under 10 million. Everything we do is software as a service. So it's, we we're just under 10 million annual recurring revenue. And last year we topped out at 43.3 million annual recurring revenue. So re- really nice mm. growth in in four years, um, we were as we were about 40, 45 people when I joined, and now we're close to 150 yeah. and into 200. So, so kind of magnet, orders of magnitude change in terms of the top line and the finances. We were, we were burning cash. We, um, we became even profitable in 2019. So all the key metrics came along. Um, but uh, what was driving that underneath it is a change that, um, one change that we made in our go-to-market. So when I got here, we were driven 50% by channel partners and 50% by direct sales. And we're now about a little over 90% direct sales and um, less than 10% on channel partners. And a little bit, we, we still do some digital advertising um, products with our, our data, so that's a, a little. So awesome. tell me about tell me about that. I'm I'm curious because you know, I know a lot of companies go. We need to scale. We need to just like get the channel partners in, and that's how we're going to scale big time. But actually, you've kind of taken a a different approach and kind of brought it in house. So yeah. what was the thinking there? Um, yeah. Why was that the secret to growth? Yeah, yeah, that, that's really interesting that you pointed out like that because you're right that most of the time when people want to scale, they look at leveraging other other channels to market, and OEMs and bars often fit into that. Yeah. Um, for what we were doing, what what um, it's really interesting because we quickly realized that the insights that we have can be applied to really complex problems in technology companies. And working with our customers to show them how they can have such ROI from what we sell to them um, was very much uh, a 
I won't call it custom because we, we don't have custom products, but it was very much consultative process right. yeah. with, with the customers. And so we, um, we started building up really astute sales teams and, and customer success managers and realized the stickiness of what we were doing and the uh, depth of impact we could make on a customer was so much greater when we could work with them and show them how to apply what we had to their problems. And then concurrently, we were looking at our channel partners who, you know, they skimmed the top of the surface of, of what we, they could yeah. do with our data. And people were getting very confused out there. Well, what's, um, what's lead space got that, that HG, that I should get from HG? And it would go into a long conversation. So in my, my first year, I probably canceled about 75% of our channel partners, mm-hmm. um, start, starting with, um, with one of the big ones in the um, our tech sales tech space right now, which was, uh, it was kind of fun because you get this call. It's like, you can't cancel us. And it's like, oh yeah, we can. Um, we, we don't need this because I see that we saw how much we could grow and how much more value we could give to customers by going directly and working with them directly. Yeah. So you're bringing expertise. Uh, I mean, as well as the, the direct passion because this is your thing, right? Rather yes. than one of, one on the, one of many on the, on the truck. Um, yeah. But it's that ex- 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 that sense of expertise and being able to kind of go deep with the customer. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, which is great because I love it because that's often, often people forget that I think, and they, they, they're always looking for the next, next client, but actually sometimes slowing down and seeing how much value can we add to this one right in front of us right now can actually be the secret to growth, right? You don't need to yeah. run around always yeah. to find. Yeah. And the, the, another interesting thing, sorry, I didn't mean to step on, on the end of this, but I get really excited about yeah. this stuff. A re- really great um, thing about how we approach that is it allowed us to take that that consultative problem and then um, build it back into our platform so that then the automation can actually help to show the customers how to use our, our underlying insights and data. So it's it's been just this great flywheel effect um, when okay. we've gone onto a direct sales team. Yeah, okay. So by, by, by going through the process with the customer, you can see how you can actually make that available is more of a systematic approach yes exactly yeah exactly. yeah no it's it's, it's it's fantastic um so what were some of the surprises or what, perhaps challenges along the way right because i guess it's not all been smooth sailing so what what was difficult for you as, as a ceo you know what, what did you find hard in that journey um one having the patience to get there um so i i've always wanted in my career to solve bigger and bigger problems so um so i i aspired to um at citrix running one of the their lines of business um before before that at value click really looking at a whole media area for them so i was always drawn to 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 um to the bigger problems and the ceo role was kind of the the end all be all of that because as a ceo it's you know it's up to you you've got you've got the problems and you've got to either solve them or if you don't um it's it all comes back to you so i i knew i wanted to grow into that role 
Um, but it, um, I didn't know it was going to take, take as long as it did. And, um, not that I, I regret anything that I did in the various parts of of my career, far from it. I don't, um, I wouldn't change any of the choices that, that I made. Um, but I don't know whether this is true for other, other CEOs. I ended up, um, going through, um, I'll call it training of a lot of different, areas in business just by working in different roles so you know i've been cmo i've been vp of marketing i've been vp of product i've been been um you know evp of of client services um i think yeah i've I've run development teams so so it really um by the time i got to the ceo role um i really felt pretty pretty well equipped for it but it was really, really going broad that that helped me to do that. And I, I give that advice to to others that want to get into a CEO role. It's um, don't worry too much about your career taking different paths. It's, right. it's a very, very good thing at the end of the day. It's Richard here with a quick interlude. As part of my coaching and advisory work, I often work with leaders who have recently taken on the CEO role. It's a big leap from the comfort zone of functional leadership or business unit management. And it opens up a whole new set of stakeholders, pressures, decisions, and responsibilities. I found that there are three key things that will make a huge difference in those first quarters. Number one, balancing the operational and the strategic, what I call CEO focus. Number two, establishing credibility, what I call CEO presence. And number three, managing stakeholders, those CEO conversations. I've written a short email series that goes into more detail on the transition to CEO and how you can practically sharpen your CEO focus, solidify your CEO presence and master your CEO conversations. It's insightful and it's entirely free of charge and you can register for it by going to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash curve. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, sometimes the direct line is not always the way. Yeah. What about the other tip for a CEO? So you mentioned there about being okay to to go on the journey and to explore different parts and and build the skill set. Once somebody's in the role as a CEO, what would be your top tip for them? Um. So a couple, couple things, um, particularly if you're first time in, in the role of C, CEO, I would, um, I would get, get help, right? So um, you, there's a, I mean, you yourself do this with CEOs to go out and really work with them as a, as a coach. It's a cliche, but it, it is lonely at the top. I mean, you can't, you can't on almost any big decision, you can't sit down with your board. You're presenting to the board. They expect to have the answers. Yeah, they're, 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 they're involved parties, right? They're, they're, they're not uh, independent. Yeah, yeah, they're not they're independent. independent. You can't really do it with your team because you're expecting them to help solve the problem, but you can't put the burden of the decision on the team. And, um, and so I found tremendously helpful uh, executive coaches. Um, when I first went to support.com, I had a, a really wonderful guy and, when I first got there, there was a choice of, um, I had to make a decision about the CTO who had been there for a long time. 
and he was still contributing, but, and I certainly didn't want to destroy the morale of the company. And it was my executive coach that actually helped me work through an organizational structure of the company that would allow the CTO to still contribute yet move him out of the role where he was causing, causing some issues. And I don't think, you know, could I have gotten to that kind of perspective all by myself? Maybe, but it would have taken a lot longer than, yeah. um, than working with somebody else. And, and particularly with a subject like that, you're, you're not going to do that with your executive team. For God's sake. Yeah. I, I, on I, it, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny, actually. I mean, sometimes, you know, coaching can be seen as a remedial thing and and you know, like oh i even had somebody say oh you know why would i why would why would they need coaching they're fine you know and for me yeah. the point is no it's my clients on top of their game they, they don't need coaching you know it's that they want an accelerator or they want a sounding ball they want to raise the game of whatever they're doing just like any yeah. high performer so uh, yeah. i'll slip you the check later uh yeah. you know, <laughs> no, I, I, I was thinking about that you know way be, way before you and yeah. I, 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 <laughs> but I i think the other thing i'd say to a, a ceo whether it's a new ceo or or somebody that's into a new new ceo position um is to move quickly i mean that that mm-hmm. might sound um sound cliche like also um uh, but make an impact quickly mm-hmm. get hire, hire fire acquire whatever is right for the company at the time don't second guess your own instincts just just do it and if you make a mistake early on you you've got you've got a lot of leeway at that mm-hmm. point um, it, at HG, uh, before I really even know the business, it was actually a week before I got on board, one of our partners approached us to be acquired. And it was, uh, it was a big decision for me because I was going on, on the opinions of a couple of people on the company. We end up acquiring this partner, Pivotal IQ. Um, so that was our, our first uh, acquisition in 2018. We completed that in September. So, and it was, um, it was great, but I got, got to tell you, you know, working with the board, they were like, huh, well, this is interesting. This is really a, a pretty aggressive mood for somebody that's been in the seat for a couple of weeks. So, <laughs> You know, from what I from what I look at, it really, really looks right, and and that's where you know trust trust your gut. You've put yeah. in the work to and the time to get into the seat, um, and mm-hmm. luckily for us, you know, the acquisition of Pivotal IQ was another real accelerator with um, with HG. So you know, nice. hire, fire, acquire. That's um, that's nice. I, yeah, yeah. Move quickly. I love it. Um, so a couple of quick fire questions uh, for you as we kind of start to wrap up a little bit here. What's your favorite quote? What's something that's really shaped your leadership? Shaped my leadership um, or an output of my leadership. And this actually is, is my, my last name, Shalosky, is um, Ukrainian, actually. Um, and my grandparents were from, from Kiev. And so um, I'm always drawn to this quote from Ocean's Eleven. Um, and it's, it's from Skinny Pete. And he says, if there's one thing I know, it's never to mess with Mother Nature, Mother Love, or Mother freaking Ukrainians. And <laughs> and I use that sometimes as you know when I when I make a decision, we're going to go for it. Don't mess with Mother freaking Ukrainians. And um, that's off to all my my old old um, ties to to the Ukraine. And I just hope everything turns out much better than it's looking right now. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah thank you for that. Yeah. Um, what's is there is there an is there um, an app or anything that you, on your phone that you kind of find is surprisingly helpful, useful, <laughs> addictive, whatever? Um, well, one thing we haven't talked about is is kind of what I do outside of work, and and one one of my hobbies is triathlons. So, mm-hmm. so I'm constantly and I've been doing. Um, doing triathlon since I moved to California in 96. So a long, long time. I'm I'm always either training or recovering or doing something like that. And there's a, a, the Garmin watch, you know, I live and die by it. And so the Garmin application that's on the phone, that's, that's the one I'm always checking, you know, you're always checking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, yeah. Metrics driven. I know you, you, you describe yourself as metrics driven. driven. There we go. Yeah. 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 How about a book that's really influenced you? Yeah, I've got one that's always at the top of my bookshelf, and that's the um, the hard thing about hard things from Ben Horowitz. Mm. Um, a lot of people know that, but but you should read pages one eleven to one thirteen because it tells you everything you need to know about product management, and it's one of the hardest jobs in the company, and it's the most important. And he just nails it in terms of what you need to do. Perfect. There we go. Even the page references, I'm impressed. You, yeah, well, well, <laughs> you, you know what? I know those. Is, is I actually quote those to product managers when they're stressing right. and kind of going off the reservation. I'm like, three pages. Go read these. Beautiful, beautiful. So, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Mm, yeah, that I I would probably say you know don't drive yourself to perfection don't try to you know get everything right all the time but um you know I think about that and that's the same thing I'm telling myself today it's like oh, come on let give yourself a little more leeway yeah yeah it's funny yeah we're, we're, we've got that high you know perfectionist streak it can be um, it's inspiring for people it can also be inhibiting sometimes as well and it can also yeah. just be that burden on ourselves yes that, that exactly. we're always always facing it yeah the, the, the way I like to hack people when they're kind of stressing about things like over perfectioning I always say stop trying to be the high performing janitor and that seems to stop them it's like because you like you got a business to run here you don't need to keep polishing this particular floor tile uh, <laughs> I like that I, I might steal that if you don't mind Richard you're okay yeah you could use it <laughs> um lastly yeah many of our best guests on the show come from referrals so I'm always curious you know to ask people like you know who's somebody who's an impactful CEO who you know who you've encountered in your career you know who you might really recommend as, as, as a great guest for a future episode yeah yeah one of my there's um I've been fortunate and have been helped by by so many people along the way but there's one CEO that I still go to for advice and that's Michael Crandell he's he's running a company right now called Bitwarden it's in the um, password management space and it's uh, he's taken that from nothing to now dominant enterprise company but he's done done that at uh, other companies and he's just just the kind of guy that that he can um if he has to fire somebody he fires them and that person comes back and talks about how wonderful that guy is and it was the right thing to do mm. he just has a way of running companies that um, make them great for the individuals and still still manages to accelerate so he's he's got a lot of useful advice yeah no i love that it's yeah it's, it's that whole thing about there's the business there's the people there's the impact you're making in the world and trying to get keep all those things in balance is, is yeah. important and if you can exactly. do it all it's great yeah so here's my favorite question the, the one i always love is, is no matter how much we've achieved there's always a next level to get to so 
you know, where does HG Insights go from here as a business? You just made this acquisition, but what's next? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're just getting started. So, um, so last, uh, just about a year and a quarter ago, we got a very big investment from Riverwood Capital, so a private equity company, and you know their help, help uh, with their help, we did the acquisition. They have big, big goals for us. Jeff Parks, the partner there, keeps using the IPO word, um, but we we really believe that we can be the dominant company to solve complex business problems with data-driven insights. So I don't think there's, there's anything to stop us. Okay. So there's, there's plenty more, um, plenty more fields to move into, right? With that as your mandate. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And what are you going to need to perhaps do differently yourself, Elizabeth, to multiply your own impact? You know, clearly, you know, you've achieved a lot in this company and previously, but the thing that we, the way that we work is is our strength, and it's also that what's holding us back. So I'm always curious, you know, what what might you need to kind of work on, do differently in the future to multiply your impact? Yeah, certainly with with where the company's going, we're looking to scale past the hundred million dollar mark very quickly. Um, one thing that I've thought about is I, I really need to spend a lot more of my time and develop a lot more of my skills for external contact. Um, and that means means both changing the way I work and where I'm, I put my time, but it also means training the executive staff so that they're thinking like individual general managers as opposed to to just a, a functional area leader. So I've got to change kind of what's going on internally, and then I've got to I think believe learn new skills or learn them again to be more externally focused um, and I'm working working on both those things both with my team and and getting out there more luckily the pandemic is coming coming to an end hopefully yeah a bit, a bit yeah. more flexibility at least yeah yeah I went to the U.S. a couple of weeks ago and uh, there were two great things that happened one was I managed to get there and one was I managed to get back but uh, even <laughs> even then since then you know restrictions have lifted a bit more and it's a bit easier so that, yeah. that's good news yeah Good. Fantastic. So last thing is, hey, if people want to get in touch or find out more about HG Insights or about, you know, get in touch with you, how, how should they do that? Yep, it's easy. That uh, Just go to our website, hginsights.com, and um, I, my contact information is there. The emails are very easy. It's just first on last and the company name. So happy to, happy to get any inquiries. I always love hearing other people's stories. Yeah, perfect. Well, hey, Elizabeth, I've, I've enjoyed this, you know, this discussion. I think uh, uh, it's fascinating. You know, you came in, product, you know, this business that had all this creative energy and you've been able to kind of apply process and structure it. And, and you've seen that that energy has been now taken direction and has, and has, uh, and has, as you know, you multiplied your revenues, right, already, and you're going to go way beyond that. And then I think this this point around, you know, actually, make you know you actually you cut back right you know you cut back from all the channel partners the ones that were bringing in half your revenue right in order to to double down on the place that was going to create intimacy and customer insight for you to be able to deliver the business so i think really interesting uh, stories there so thank you for sharing those with us and it's been a pleasure to talk with you so uh, pleasure's thanks. all mine thank, thank you for the invitation richard no you're welcome and i look forward to hearing as the as the journey progresses I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? 
who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level. If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.